This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Thank you everybody for coming um, to the second of the third parenting lecture series given by our Rosh Hashira. Um For me personally, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to tonight's lecture, Baruch Hashem, for the last, I don't know, 30, 32 years of my life, dedicating many hours to studying Gemara, and like it says in the flyer, it is difficult, and one of the most common questions kids ask me, especially when I teach in eighth grade, why do we need to learn about this for? I mean, especially if you're learning something like um, Makos, where we do not have a basin today, we don't give makos today, at least not not officially, at least, right? <laughs> and um, it's a very it's a very good question, and it's a very difficult question to answer, especially, you know, so just look at what the halacha is, and let's do what the halacha says, and why do we have to go through such a tedious and such a long process to find out when we could just look up in in the shulchan aruch or in the shabur to see what the halacha is? So. I think it's a very apropos topic that the Roshiva will discuss, so I'd like to ask Roshiva to come up. So, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess it's a, re- it's a real problem to speak with an audience as broad as this. Some people may have been studying more all their lives, some people may have come late to it, uh, there are women who may not probably did not study Gemara at all in the way it started in yeshivas and everything in between. So I'm going to try to, uh, I guess, uh, it, as much as possible, make it, try to make it understandable even if a person never set foot in yeshiva. And even people who studied in yeshiva, I think it's sometimes good if you're able to um, put it into words, understand it better, and so on. So, one sends a son to yeshiva, and the boy is going to be studying Judaics. He's going to be studying Judaics for a good part of the day. If it's a strong yeshiva, it may even be the majority of the day. And he's going to be doing it for 12 years, and then a few years in Eretz Yisrael. And you say to yourself, okay, I understand there's a lot of information to be had, so he's going to get information, a lot of things to know. I understand that he may get skills, Hebrew, reading, etc., etc. Um, he needs to be inspired. But that doesn't quite seem to be a curriculum at all. First of all, if you're just feeding information, there's far less time would be needed for it. Um, you can give sort of a, uh, a, a general knowledge test, and, uh, and they call them chemdas, I think, here, and you could, you could make one would require a lot less studying, um, inspirational, a lot of it, the, the day in, day out, he's not really being taught any great musr, do this, don't do that. It's a lot of it is sort of arguing legal texts. That's the best thing it translates into. And we, we wonder about it. We wonder maybe why Mohalach is not learned. Tanakh. We ask constantly, why is there more Tanakh learned? There's always a balance, obviously, some yeshiva are Muslim chefs, but by and large, it's a traditional yeshiva um, curriculum, 
has been extremely heavily focused on Gemara with some bits here and there added to it. On the other hand, we do have a tradition. In other words, meaning the people who are strong Shavuotar mitzvahs, people who are B'nai Torah, overwhelmingly have studied in these type of yeshivas. Um, other yeshivas with very radically different curriculums hasn't seemed to produce such Torah-strong um, Jews. There's always exceptions at both ends. Unfortunately, some people with heavy Gemara curriculum haven't turned out great, and some people with a, with a, a, a curriculum not so heavy have turned out okay. But still, if we take a look and ask ourselves where are the strong um, Shomer Torah mitzvahs, Londe Torah coming from, that'll be the curriculum. So we need to ask ourselves why that's so, um, and what exactly are we trying to do in those years and so much time we spend on Gemara. So I'll try to give, um, I guess, an answer from experience more than anything else. Um, it's going to fit into a certain framework of halacha, but I think try to bring out more what is the process that's happening. So I want to start with a Rambam in Hilchas Torah. The Rambam says, and this is coming from a Mishnah, um, it's not, the Rambam never says his own. He, what the Rambam does is he appropriately sort of structures the halachas, and he adds bits of explanation. But what the Rambam is saying is coming from a Mishnah. The Rambam in the, in the first parak in Talmud Torah goes through uh, that person should be learning as much as possible all the time, every day of his life, etc., etc. Yudalev, v'chayev l'shalesh esman l'midosay. A person should split up his learning into three parts. A third, Torah Shebeksav, which means the written law, Tanakh. A third, Torah Shebaalpeh, which means the oral law, meaning the Gemara, the Mishnah and the Gemara, and really anything that we today have as a given halacha. A Aruch would be included in this. Ushlish, and a third time, Yovin v'yaskil achrestavim reishisei. He needs to understand, work at understanding how we derive the final point from its origin. V'yotzi dova midova. And he's going to learn how to extrapolate halachas. V'yidame dova lidova. And he will compare halachas. V'yodin b'midish He will use the various forms of logic that the Torah has given us to use. Ad sheyeda heichu ikamidas until he's going to understand how these work, and how we derive what is us and what is muta, and so all of that is taking up a third of his time. This is called Talmud, or Talmud Torah. There, the Ramam says, but I'm, I'm skipping, a, halo- I'm skipping a, a, a part of the halacha which deals with the time that you split up. And he says, This is true at the beginning. Once he's gotten wise enough and he knows 
the written law and the oral law, he has the information down. So, Yikra be'itim zimonim Torah shebeksav, So, at appropriate times, you um, you learn, you sort of review the Torah shebeksav and Torah shebeksav. K'day shalo yishkach dover midever dine Torah. So he doesn't forget. In other words, he just keeps on reviewing it to keep it on sort of a, a, a low flame. And then he should only learn that third part that's called Talmud as it depending at, at, to the best of his abilities. So the Rambam, if I were to sum up, says as following. There, are, there is information in Torah, and that's Torah Shebek Sav and Torah Shebek That information needs to be absorbed and remembered. And then there is the processing of it, the, 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 the learning it, the understanding it, the, the analyzing it, the, the, the extrapolating, that entire process, that is the mitzvah of Talmud Torah itself. And that takes up, that becomes the person's life as far as Talmud Torah goes. So Talmud Torah is a very interesting um, mitzvah. It's not the knowledge, it's not the information you absorb, it's the becoming part of the process. We're not talking here about a rabbi or a rebbe or anything of that nature. The mitzvah of Talmud Torah's central focus is that a person becomes involved with the learning and he becomes a part of that living process. He thinks along the lines of Torah, which means he applies logic and understanding to the halachas and it's two directions. One is understanding where these halachas come from, understanding, formulating clear um, definitions of these halachas, and then there is the, the, the how do we bring out new halachas as the situation arises and, and so on. That's the process of Talmud Torah and that for any man is the obligation of study of Torah. So what we're trying to accomplish first and foremost in the learning is not teaching something, it's not giving over information, it's not even inspiring them to do good. It's threading the needle for Talmud Torah. And Talmud Torah means becoming part of the process of Torah. So the understanding and the process are what Talmud Torah is about, and this is what a yeshiva tries to do. Um, I'd like to understand how this fits very much the nature of boys especially. And I would like to, um, you know, and, and I believe because Talmud Torah men are obligated, it means that men need Talmud Torah and women have better or different avenues to realize themselves. This part of Talmud Torah does not apply to women. Um, it applies to men. Women need to know halachas, they need to be inspired, they need to understand it, 
but the, this nitty-gritty of it is not something that they're obligated in, and therefore my assumption is that the Torah said this is very necessary for men, this is not necessary for women. And I'd like a little bit to understand it and understand why it has, why this is the most important part of their Limudah Kodesh. First of all, let's try to understand a little bit, let's take a parallel in a, in a different area. Imagine Chesed. Imagine you sit and you bring inspirational speakers about Chesed. About how wonderful is Chesed and the world is built on Chesed and wonderful speeches about it. But the child never engages in Chesed. We would feel that something, the, the Iker is missing. It's, it's like, imagine a coach giving a pep talk to the team every day, but they never practice. They never play. So, so, so it's absurd. So imagine we, in the Chesed world, we would be having a lot of pep talks. Not only wouldn't we have projects of Chesed, we wouldn't even suggest how to do Chesed. So, so that would be kind of absurd. When you explain to a class about how wonderful Chesed is, and then you go out and do it, they now have the feeling of it, and they identify with it, and they become part of it, and they also understand why they're doing it. So, the, 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 we need, what is the activity that is the most suited Torah activity to take a young man and to turn him into a higher person, a ben Torah, um, somebody who's identified with Torah. Um, boys have a very, very strong, um, active, um, um, I would even say a, a conquest, the word kibush is used, um, watch boys, they're, 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 they're into rough and tough sports, they like football, they like hockey, there's something there about the active element and the element of competitiveness. Those, those are two activities that become um, a, a place where um, boys find themselves. And you see it, the activity, you know, as, as, a, as a group, the activity that they find themselves most engaged and grossed in it are competitive sports or competitive something, um, something very physical, something very action-oriented, and so on. In, in the world of Torah, the absorbing of information is passive. And basically, you sit back and you get information. Inspirational is passive. And boys tend to have much less emotional maturity than girls have. And they're not so they can be turned on, inspired occasionally, but it's not something that can be done at any, it's, it's not going to keep boys engaged in any way, involved in any way, and absorbed in any way. If we can find something that is rough, competitive, and, and, and it requires a, a proactive type of thing, we will have that activity. 
the study of Gemara in its broader form is exactly that. It's hard, it's tough, it's challenging, it demands a proactive approach. Gemara rapidly moves from a classroom passive setting to a, a, a chavrusa proactive. And I'm trying to, you're saying something, I'm trying to knock it. I'm trying to defend it. I'm trying to come up with a better answer. It, the, 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 um, let's call it um, the atmosphere of, of a base medrash, of a good base medrash, is active, vibrant, competitive. Even if it's not, it doesn't have to be competitive in a mean way, who's the best, but it's competitive in the sense, well, you're saying differently, can you prove your point? Can I prove my point? Um, you, it, it, does your point make sense? And so on and so forth. So if we're to ask ourselves, taking a boy and his temperament, and which is craving for action and doing, and giving him a passive experience, no matter how wonderful, is not going to do it. The Talmud Torah of this nature is the place where you get the engagement of, of the exact energies that he is manifesting. The Gemara calls many times um, the study of Torah, Milcham Toshal Torah, the battlefield of Torah, the war of Torah, because it's, 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 it's a conquest. Someone said something, I think it's not right, but I can't prove it, and I will think about it and think about it, think about it until I prove it. I remember many years ago, I walked, I was walking into the Mirabase Medrash in the morning. Mirabase Medrash is extremely full. It's, it's, uh, it's at 120% capacity. It's, it's incredibly crowded. Um, in the morning, like at 10.30 in the morning, you can't hear, you couldn't hear a plane drive by, it's, it's so noisy. And the energy is extraordinary. And I, as I, I'm walking in, I was coming, walking in, and there's a guy standing there, and he stops me. And says, his name is Peter, he is a, um, he is a reporter for a Philadelphia newspaper, and they're going, they're doing a big, big piece on Israel at 50 years. So this was 22 years ago. It was the 48th year of Israel. And this was, um, they're doing a piece on that. And, um, and, you know, so he's writing one of the things I read about his author. And he looks into his medish and he, he can't believe it. And, and like, he never seen anything like it. And he says, does it come to blows ever? <laughs> do, do, they ever do they ever hit each other? Um, uh, you know, and, and, and like, I, I thought it was like the strangest question I ever heard. But, but that was the type of energy. So that is the type of energy that you try to imbue a child with. And, and if, when successful, it becomes the thing that most attaches a man to Yiddishkeit. A man who is very attached to Yiddishkeit, inevitably the Gemara is where it's at. And it's something that's very hard because the Gemara could be speaking about the argument of neighbors over rights and fields and stuff like that. And it combines in itself a search for truth. It combines in itself energy. It combines many things like that. And that's why 
the 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 the, the um, uh, let's call it the most dominant, um, the, the the most time-tested method for bringing out the closest engagement with young men is in in the learning of Gemara and the study of Gemara. Other things don't work at all or not well. I want to leave Tanakh for a few minutes because I do want to come back to it. Um, the, 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 however, this is very difficult to get to that point. From the point of when they're starting it to the point when it becomes um, their central connection to Yiddishkeit is a long and not easy process. And sometimes it's baffling. Sometimes somebody becomes about Shuvah at 23, starts learning, really wishes he had started much earlier, and his 14-year-old, who has all the opportunities in the world, is, really doesn't care for it, doesn't want it. And it's baffling. And I want to try to explain a few of the problems and understand your child why it is. The first thing is maturity. Thinking maturity is a long road. And even if the kid's bright and he knows the answers, not studied, there's a certain time, and the Mishnah actually says, the Mishnah says, Mishnah should be Ben Chamesh Lamikra, five is, is the right time to start Tarsha Bixav, ten is the right time to start Mishnah, fifteen is the right age which to start Gemara. Now, we can't do that, and I'll explain soon why. But the, the maturity of a child understanding, not only understanding, it's that, it, that he likes it, that it's something that makes sense to him, is mid-teens. And you see it. Even the brightest kids at 14 can say over what you said, they can ask something. You just don't feel that it clicked in. And then there's a point, 15 is early, 16, 17, when it starts becoming more makes sense. And for some reason today, um, they mature later, and for many it's not till the 19. But, but that is very critical. So it, it doesn't provide the thrill, it, the click of understanding, all those things that a mature person has. So somebody who might start at 23, 24, in some ways it's much easier. You see in classroom settings, the, the dis disparity between two 14-year-old boys can be tremendous in, 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 in Limudah Kodesh. At 22, 23, there tends to be a bunching much more towards the middle. That's the way it is. It's a question of maturing so that, so that it, it, makes, it makes sense. Next, the format of, of Gemara, the type of dialogue, dialectic, is alien to children today, um, especially today, when information is fed at you, spat at you, and so on. The question, I, I, I remember I, I lived near Sameach, and you'd have grown-up people would, um, would, would start learning Gemara. You could tell by professions, um, medical personnel usually had a harder time with Gemara than lawyers. 
Very simple. A, a, a medical staff wants information, accurate information, good information, sorted information, and they'll absorb it and use it. The idea that, that the Gemara changes its mind every line, and the Rebbe changes his mind every day, um, and, 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 and each Rebbe has a different mind, it, it's, so what do I have? It, it's, it's something that's unsettling. Um, lawyers are used to it, so, so they have that type of, of mindset. It's something that is not usual to People like information, flash at them, and that's it. The idea that you have to sit down, settle it in, ask, answer, find different ways of explaining something, and so on and so forth, is not natural. No matter whatever they say, that, you know, they'll stimulate kids to ask questions, it's not like this at all, and it takes quite a while. Those are two issues. And then there's the issue that the Gemara, to read the Gemara, they need to know a new vocabulary, a semi-new language, no punctuation, no markings, and it's very rough technically. So a child is going to be spending a long time getting down vocabulary, punctuation, um, the, the, uh, meaning of words, sentences, and then there'll be some time till it's the idea of a question and an answer and a back and a forth, and if this is true, this can't be true, if this is true, that can't be true, until that process, till those muscles begin to become activated, it takes a long time, and they struggle with it. It's not easy. And on top of it all, the, the, the maturity and the sense of um, that I like this, this is exciting, is something that is um, a long way off. So, we have something here that's very, very critical, very important. A, because in terms of temperament, this is where they'll find the Yiddishkeit they like. You know, roll up your sleeves, sweat, bang on the table, yell, scream, um, try, be triumphant, come back for a second try. All of those type of absorption of energy of a, of a teenager and a young man are perfect for him. That's one. Second, it's critically important to become an intelligent consumer of Yiddishkeit. Let me explain what that would be like. Imagine they found somebody in some primitive, you know, I don't know, somebody, a, a, an untouched tribe in, in somewhere in the, along the Amazon. Um, it's funny that Amazon is the, you know, the untouched uh, t tribes who know nothing about civilization. You find somebody off Amazon and you bring him to the world of Amazon, from Amazon to Amazon. <laughs> you, you ship him here. And you land him here and he sees a car. So the first thing is he wants a car. And he says, listen, and you start explaining to him what a car, how, he says, do me a favor, just tell me what all the buttons do. Where do I push it should move, where do I push it should stop, and, and where do I honk the horn, and just tell me that. So you would be kind of extremely petrified of him driving somewhere, he doesn't even know what it is. As far as he's concerned, you have little men inside moving the wheels. It, it, it's, he's not connected to the car. He knows what to do. He's got a fabulous memory. He knows what to do. He knows which button to press, and he knows which, what to shove and what to pull. But he's not driving the car, because he's not connected to it. We all need 
um, at some time or another, we need medical attention. So you have people who Google something uh, online and they walk in and tell the doctor what they should do. That's one extreme of it. The other extreme is you walk into, into, the, into the doctor's office and all, and, and, um, all, you know, as far as you're concerned, it's all about white pills and blue pills and yellow pills and green pills. No, no understanding of what's going on, a general sense of the illness, the cure, um, the, the, you know, being able to figure out who must be a good doctor, who must be a quack, who must be something or other. It, having a sense of it, being an educated consumer, makes it viable. When a person practices Yiddishkeit, and we spend so much time, if our life is dependent on this rabbi said this and that rabbi said that, and the only way you can figure out which rabbi is right is to have a nicer smile or, or, or whatever, A, you, you're helpless. You don't know who's a con man, who's real, what's a genuine dispute for two sides, and what's somebody who's off. We have to be able to make those decisions reasonably. You're always looking for information from other people, but at least you're an educated consumer, you get a sense. I don't know what he's saying, just, you know, it's it sometimes frustrating. People will come to me, someone came to me a few years ago, well, you know, so and so said it's perfectly okay, and it brings me a truth of this person that he wrote. It, it was silly. It was ludicrous. It had no. It had no connection to halacha whatsoever. It, it was. It was like. It, it wasn't. And, and it had no way to explain it to the person. The person was totally unlettered. He meant well, but he had no idea. So, so what am I tell him? It's nonsense. It's rubbish. Okay, that's what you say because you 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 like it this way. He sees it differently. Okay, it's like you know, one doctor says you need surgery. One doctor says you need radiation. And one doctor says you need carriages three times a day. That's not the same, it's not exactly the same idea. I mean, if you can pick either one, either characters is good, those are quacks, or the other way. I'm not taking sides in it. But, but at least understand that if you're not an educated consumer, then, then, then you don't know what you're doing. And it's hard to connect to a mitzvah if you're not an educated consumer. Because one will shake these things because, it, what, but why? What's this? What's that? Becoming part of the halachic process, understanding how halachas come from a source and from the Gemara, gives you, makes you part of that process. So, A, it's important learning Gemara because that's the activity that makes young men and men in general identify. It gives them the sense of, of, of what, whatever it is that a man needs to connect this is the primary portal of connection. Two, it makes you an educated consumer of halacha by understanding where the process started and, and where it's going to. I want to add the point about Tanakh because that's asked a lot. And so I have two reasons, two areas that I would like to explain why Tanakh has sort of many historical reasons why it took less and less of a place. And like all things that evolved, maybe there is not enough quite. But generally speaking, the purpose of Tanakh is to inspire you to do mitzvahs. The Gemara said, had we not sinned, we wouldn't have had Tanakh, we just had the Torah and Yahushua. The reason is Torah tells us what a Jew is and what a Jew needs to do. 
Navi is Musa that pushes us to do it. So the right amount of Tanakh is the amount needed to spur a person to do what's right. It's inspiring a person. Hashem said do this, don't do this. It takes the role of inspiration, not the role of active engagement for a man for sure. And there's one more issue that I think is important to point out. The Gemara is rigorous. We're talking about facts. This is what it says in this Mishnah. Um, it contradicts another Mishnah. Um, the answer is not the rabbis know what they're doing. The answer is you've got to come up with an answer. And whatever answer you say is, is contested and back and forth. There is nobody who can get away with just saying something. Everything, the, 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 the process of Gemara is proof, refutation, proof, refutation. That's the process of it. It forces us an integrity. You can't say that there's a, a put down written in the, in the Gemara, you're speaking like a prophet. You can't say an opinion plucked out of air, this is what Hashem wants. There are no prophets in the Gemara. The Gemara is the, the domain of reason, and that means everything must be logical, impeccably so. And it forces a certain discipline. Today, it's become very fashionable, even orthodox circles. People will study Torah and Nevi'im, and they look at it like some sort of Roshash Balat. Read this and tell me what you feel. That's wonderful if you want to know what the person is feeling. But if you want to have a sense of what Hashem said, what you feel may be the opposite of what Hashem said. And no one has that sense. So at least when we teach somebody Gemara, and the person knows that he's accountable. There's a strong accountability. You can't just say something. The question is, where are you coming from? What are you basing it on? And explain to me how you're going to reconcile this with two or three other places. This type of forced integrity does not exist in the world of Parshanut, of Nevi'im and Torah. It's, the, the, yes, the classic Parshanim in Torah, like Ramban, you see the mark that Torah left on them. I point out something, we have a shir, Shabbos morning we learn, and I'll point out sometimes Ramban, he, when, he, when he says something, he brings a half a dozen proofs. When he says this word means something, he will spit out a dozen places where this word seems to have a similar meaning. He will compare it to something. There are no feelings and thoughts and ideas. The, it, the, the, the purpose of Torah is not that we express ourselves, but that we try to understand what Hashem is trying to express. And therefore, Gemara teaches a certain discipline of thought and fidelity to what's, what they say, not what you say. If a Mishnah says something, the Gemara cannot go against it. So the Gemara will have to reconcile whatever they said in a way that it fits with the Mishnah or else it's off. And whatever early, whatever the Ramam says, if the Gemara says not like that, the Ramam's got a problem. And unless we reconcile it, the Ramam doesn't stand. 
if we, if we feel that the Gemara says not like that, the Rambam's halacha doesn't stand. And this is the substance of all of those arguments, is trying to understand, is the Rambam's halacha based on the Gemara? Is, is the, does the Gemara bear out the way he understood it or not? And on that will stand or fall. So it forces a certain integrity to the source instead of just allowing us to be creative and, and, and poetic. Those, so, so briefly, the, 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 the three points now of, of learning Gemara is for men, that's the internal connection to Yiddishkeit, that proactive, um, competitive argument, challenging that speaks and that ultimately becomes the strongest connection. It gives us, it makes us an understanding <coughs> consumer of halacha because we become part of that process and, 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 and we're involved in the process. And it also, the process of it forces a certain fidelity to source. It's, I need, I always need to be ready to prove my point and to defend myself. And it's all there. It's all the Gemaras are game for asking, comparing, refuting, etc., etc. The, um, the hardships and the challenges are also very real. A, um, it's, it's learning just simply a whole slew of things that, you know, language, it, no punctuation. It takes a long time till a child gets a, a, a uh, sort of intuitive sense of where the Gemara is stopping and starting. It's something that a child needs to mature. But if we'll wait till he matures, he's going to be so behind the vocabulary and basic skills, that's going to be very, very hard. So, so we start Gemara at an early age where the children are not yet ready and mature enough to appreciate it. But Bez Hashem, when they get to the stage when they can appreciate it in terms of content, they will have all the tools they need. So in, in, if things are successful, a child struggles and moves into it, and then he, he finally gets there. The only way to make it work is if children give, if parents give their children the sense of pride they have in the Gemara they're learning. A, if a child sees his father learning Gemara, that's like the He-Man stuff, it's the real stuff, and it makes the child want to do that. And a lot in the tone of the voice, wow, you can be learning Gemara and so on and so forth, th that really goes over. Um, I, I want to finish this with a story that I heard. Um, it's, it's an incredible story of yesterday. And I heard this from Rabbi Kreis's uncle. He had an uncle, Rabbi Yaakov Lashinsky. He was born in Europe, learned in the Mir, learned in other places, and was not just was an American. He was a man of the world, kind of. Um, and he told over the following story. He said he walked into a bar mitzvah in the early 50s, or late 40s, in America. And Rabbi Avram Kalmanovich was speaking. And it was a chash of mitzvah people. Around. He walks in the middle of speech, and everybody is sobbing. And, like, you know, it's not bar mitzvah. I mean, some pe yes, when some people speak, many people sit and sob, and I, I understand that. But it's not, it's not usual. It's not a levaya. It's not this. He couldn't. So he sat and he listened. And Avram Kalmanovich told the following story. He said there was a couple in his town. He was a rabbi of a town. I think it was called Rachov, Rachov. And they didn't have children for many years. The, um, finally, after a dozen years, they were blessed with a child, with a young boy. 
but a boy, and he, they raised him in the ways of Torah. He was the only child, and they hired a special malamed to teach him. The kid was a bright kid, he did well, and one day the malamed tells him, um, your, your child is doing very well, and I think we're ready to learn Gemara, and we're going to learn a real Gemara, meaning a very hard Mesechta, uh, we're going to do Ba So I need you to buy him a Gemara, and in those days, Gemaras actually costed a lot of money. They weren't laying around the hallways here in cartons, discarded, you know, uh, like dozens of Gemaras. They, people bought a Gemara. It was, it, was a, it was an investment. And buy him a Gemara, and as soon as you bring the Gemara, as you buy the Gemara, you um, will start learning Gemara and get above Metzi. It's one of the hardest Mesechtes, and traditionally, it's some parts of it you start with the child. So the husband was some sort of minor businessman, and every so often he would travel on a fair. He would go, you know, there'd be a, 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 a Yerid, which was a fair where people sold bought stuff, and he would, and, and that's where they'll find a Mochus for. He comes to that Yerid, and, you know, he, he buys and sells his stuff, and he looks for a Gemara, and this, sure enough, there's a fellow selling Gemaras. He asked him if he has a Bab Metziah, said yes. He said, I want the real big ones, the ones that has all the commentaries, everything. I have one, he says, but it's expensive, and he gave him a price. He didn't have money with him, so he didn't have enough money, and then he remembered that he always set aside, every time he went to a fair to, to sell and buy stuff, he would put aside money and buy his wife a present. He had that money, so he took that money and bought the Gemara. He came home, he told his wife, you know, I bought this Gemara, look, it's big and beautiful, how much it cost? And he, he told her, said, where'd you have money from? So, and he said, he said, I'm going to take the Gemara and bring it to Mayor. His name was Mayor, the boy. I'm going to bring it to Mayor. So he said, um, uh, oh, so she said, where'd you have money from? He said, well, the money that I got that present, that's what it, so she said, so it's my Gemara, I'm going to bring it to Mayor. He said, but I bought it. I, you, I, you, they started arguing, and they came running to the Rav, to Rav Kalmanovich, who was the Rav there, with the, holding the Gemara and saying, he, he said, listen, I bought it, you know, it's the money I earned, I didn't buy a present, but, and she said, it's my money, I should give it, I should give it. So the Rav Paskind, they should both take the Gemara together and bring it to the child. <laughs> and he said, the sight, he looked out the window, the sight of the mother and father walking with a Gemara down to the Malamid and giving it. And Rav Kalmanovich turned to our Mitzvah boy and said, and that boy was your grandfather. That's the, that was the, the story. But we don't have that today. We don't have that sense of, you know, the achievement of Gemara, the achievement of buying a Gemara. No, these are all things that are, in some ways, thank God, everybody learns Gemara, everybody has Gemaras, they, they lay around here, try to figure out what to do with him at the end of the Zaman. You know, it, it, but, but there's something there about it. Uh, traditionally, you know, I remember the feeling my father gave me when, wow, you're learning Gemara already, and... Uh, you know, this, and, uh, you know, I, it, it was something that tied a child over until he was mature enough to begin to enjoy it on his own. So that's part of our duty as parents to, to, to do that. It helps us to understand why it's a long process and a hard process. And you see it in yeshiva, you see, you know, kids struggling. You see by the time kids are in 12th grade, a lot more kids begin, it begins to snap into place. They have the background, they mature, 
they sna it snaps in, but it's a long process. But once it snaps in, really the Gemara becomes the key to, to their attachment to Yiddishkeit. We can do a question and answer for a few minutes, and then, and then I have a share. Any points, questions, answers, anything? Uh... Yes? Rabbi, on the Hanukkah Torah, yes. the Hanukkah Torah, you're still like a Talmud, you, you know. We, we, <laughs> yes? So, so Rabbi said on the second point, that it's to understand the halakhic framework from within the Soviet, yeah. how it came from the ground up. So what's the basis for the issue of halakh of learning, more Nazikin rather than more Moe? Right. So I think it's it's the way. Uh, let Let's give an example in in um, in Lemurichol. A math textbook, even though they say you know so and so has these amount of eggs and gave this one that eggs, they pick round numbers that don't exist in physics. In real life engineering, you never get perfectly round numbers. You get, but you want to strip away the details, and and try to focus on the principle. So uh, the, the, the understanding was always it's easier to give over the principles when you're dealing with something abstract. In Shabbos, so the kids will start asking, so can I put the block and that, put the block and this and that? It's hard for a child to strip it away from it. But what Bukama is, I'm a Muxik, you're a Muxik, he's the Mazik, he's the Mazik. So, so the sense was it's easier to help the child focus on the logic rather than the Totsa. It's, it's interesting because kolalim tend to learn the halakha ma'isim And that's the process because um, in Baba Kama, it, it, it has nothing to do with, with, with the application. It all has to do with, with the process. And that's why it's so hard. You know, it's hard for a child because a child can't think abstract. It, that, it, 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 a concept that to you as an adult and as a lawyer are, are you know, domain, right, uh, you know, onus of, of, of reply, all of those things are concepts, and, and it takes a while for a child to pick up on it. Yes? Um, in terms of um, understanding about Torah and understanding that this is what Hashem is saying, not just what I, I wanted to say, how, how do we understand like where Chidushim fit in there? Because Chidushim are always accountable to a source. Um, it's where are you coming from? Uh, I can tell you a personal experience I want, you know, if somebody says something, you'll say, well, here it says not like that, what you're saying won't make sense here, you're always accountable to, to the information, it's like, it's like a math problem, it, you know, you, you'll reverse the process, and if the, and, and if the multiplication doesn't give you what the division, you know, did, you, you made a mistake. So in the process of Gemara, you can always refute a person, it's something that's very difficult to do in the world of ideas like a Nach. But in Gemara, you can do it. So in, in, in terms of like in Torah, like like that, so it's the same kind of thing? Like it needs to be a It's much thing. harder because when you, in terms of yourself, so somebody says a Pshat, the questions are not as hard and fair. So it's, it's more of a generality, it's an idea. It, it doesn't lend itself to that type of rigidity. In the Gemara, if there's a Gemara that doesn't work out with what you said, it's back to the drawing board. Um, and the, we have those examples where we'll have a Tosfus who does that. Tosfus will ask something, will suggest an answer, and then will say, but it won't work here and it won't work here, so it's off. Um, and and that's, a, that's the constant process of it. Yes? Is it important to know who the Tanaim were as people that Amorim were, or when, 
living historically at those times? Is that relevant? You know, those things, those things theoretically may be something, but no child will be interested in it except many, quite a few people after studying a long time, Gemara, interested in knowing so who came first and who was the Rebbe of whom and where was he, okay, and so on and so forth. Um, to start with that first, it, it's like it to teach you, um, you know, when you learn in, in history uh, or in, I don't know what they call it, social studies my days, about municipalities and states and federal, it, it's quite boring, it's quite dreary. But as soon as you you know, become active and say, one second, these are state taxes, federal taxes, this is a federal law, this is taking this court, I, what am I doing? All of a sudden it becomes extremely important. It, to sit down with a kid and drill him where certain people live or that, I, I think it'll probably be one of the more boring things. And it's only when people are learning, and now, so how come they're called Rebbe, they're called Rav, and how come he never asked a question on him, and how come this and that? It it's usually comes post-learning Gemara that people develop uh, an interest in it. Yes? What, to what extent is the process of Gemara learning is information, information, you know, disseminated or information, you know, downloaded in, into, the, into the child? Because does Gemara, to some extent, encompass these other, these other areas? Is Tanakh and and the and Navi and, and these other things are are they in some sense in the study of it part of it and that it, and in that way information is learned. There is the Gemara says it's called Bavli because the word Bavli could take mean the Bolal to mix together to integrate. So certainly the lessons of the Navim are integrated. Many Psukim are integrated, but the focus is 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 on the Gemara and. You know, it, it, it's harder, and and you you can always say we should readjust a bit, but but by and large, um, the Gemara seems to say that learning Gemara will give you the vast majority of information you need and inspiration. Okay, I um, I have a, another share. So, Hashem, um, we should be have a lot of nachas from our kids and banim of they banim oskim b'torah.